0: We're going to be starting um, a new series, and you can see it's uh, the Philippians Unchained, the Joy Project. And I think joy is an appropriate quality to have, don't you? So uh, when I was putting this together, I was thinking back to the all-time, one of the all-time favorite Sunday school songs, you know, for those of you that grew up in Sunday school. Uh, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart, you know, where? Down in my heart, where? Down in my heart. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart to stay. Notice, I've got the joy in my heart to stay. I don't abort joy from my life. As a follower of Christ, that's one of the fruit of the spirits, by the way, that he gives us joy That should be evident. It should be lived out uh, in our lives. And when you look at God's word, we see in Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit, we said that. Uh, The fruit is love, joy, peace. So love, joy. Joy is there. You can circle that. Psalm 1611, you will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. Granting me joy in your presence. We'll talk more about that um, in the future. And then Nehemiah 8.10, don't be dejected and sad, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And some of you this morning might be dejected and sad, but here it is. The joy of the Lord is your strength. So that's what we're going to major on. But here's the deal, man. We are living in a real world, right? We are. We, for some people, they put their head in the sand uh, symbolically, you know, They, they just kind of ignore life. But that's not the real world. Some people move out, you know, to no man's land and, you know, they prepare for the end to come, but that's not plan that God has for us. We are connected to the body of Christ. Uh, We should be uh, receiving from that body and giving back to that body. That's the life flow that God has planned. And so, um, but we we can be honest about what we're feeling, what's going in our lives right now, and then we deal with it. We just don't let it harbor there if it's not Promoting um, joy in our lives. So we have a responsibility with that. Max Cato put it this way. It's a low grade fear, an edginess, a dread, a cold wind that won't stop howling. It's not so much a storm as the certainty that one is coming, always coming. Sunny days are just an interlude. You can't relax, can't let your guard down. All peace is temporary, short term. It's not the sight of a grizzly, but the suspicion of one or two or ten behind every tree, beyond every turn, inevitable. It's just a matter of time until the grizzly leaps out of the shadows, bears its fangs, and gobbles you up along with your family, your friends, your bank account, your pets, and your country. There's trouble out there, so you don't sleep well. You don't laugh often. You don't enjoy the sun. You don't whistle as you walk. According to the National Institute of Mental Health, anxiety disorders are reaching epidemic proportions. In a given year, nearly 50 million Americans will feel the effects of a panic attack, phobias, or other anxiety disorders. Anxiety disorders in the United States are the number one health problem among women and are the second only to alcohol and drug abuse among men. And so, the question is, are you... Laughing less than you once did? That's a good question, isn't it? When's the last time you laughed? I mean, really laughed. Not a giggle, but a laugh. You see, laughter is a gift from the Lord as well. Would those who know you best describe you as increasingly negative and critical? Where would you land? On their evaluation, and do you dilute and downplay good news with doses of your version of reality? you know where's life pushing you? We talked about it, we talked about it uh, in, in Joshua three. Life has a way of beating you up we 're fully aware of that. but the fact of the matter is that God promises to walk us through whatever challenges that face us. Um. There's an article titled Addiction and Unhappiness in America, and you would think when you look around the world, um, um, the gifts that we have had in this country, that people would be happy. But the U.S., this is Jeffrey Sachs, he's a director uh, for the Center of Sustainable Development at Columbia University. He said the United States is suffering an epidemic of addictions. And that these addictions are leaving a rising portion of American society unhappy and a rising number clinically depressed. He says the addictions, uh, their substance abuse, tobacco, alcohol, marijuana, opioids, and other drugs. There's other addictive behaviors that include gambling, social media, video games, shopping, unhealthy foods, exercise, extreme sports, risky sexual behaviors, and others. The prevalence of addictions in United States society seems to be on the rise, perhaps dramatically. And these addictions seem to be causing considerable unhappiness and even depression. And the implication is that the United States society should be taking actions— as individuals, in schools, at workplaces, and through public policies, to reverse these epidemics as part of an overall strategy to increase well-being in the United States to previous levels and beyond. I was thinking about this as well, that we could say, what do you expect when a nation has pushed God out of the public arena? Right. We've kicked them out of the schools where prayer was a daily habit for all the students. You can't use the name of Jesus in the public arena because that's a threat. And so what do we expect? God, we don't want you. We don't need you. And so it's the same thing when a person rejects salvation, the gift of salvation from Jesus. Jesus the gift that he went to the cross to pay for your sin, my sin, and he has given us the beautiful gift of the freedom of choice. We get to choose whether we can receive that gift, recognize the great love of God, realize we need a Savior to forgive us of our sins, to give us hope and joy as we live in this world today. Or we can choose to reject that free gift. God, when he created you, did not put a computer chip in your body so he hits this little button from heaven to force you into a relationship. That's not love. Love is when we choose to embrace someone else, to love them, and they love us in return. That's what God wanted. God wanted a relationship with us. And so he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to go to the cross. And here's the cool thing. He went to the cross. He died. And three days later, he came out, proving that he is the son of God, proving that he is who he said he was. And so we worship him and we live for him. And so today, as we look at the book of Philippians, we recognize, yes, people are struggling. Yes, there are addictions. When people are stressed out, they lean into substances that maybe take the pain and the edge off But the fact of the matter is, Jesus is there waiting to do that very thing. He is capable, more than capable. And so, Anne Graham Lotz, the uh, daughter of Billy Graham, wrote a prayer for this year. And I would like to use this prayer as a transition point of Yes, this is what's going on in our country right now. But it's not dark, doom, and gloom. Because we have an almighty God. Yes. Man, Caden uh, came back recently from a trip uh, and, and took a lot of photographs of the sky where there weren't a lot of city lights and I'm telling you, man, the stars consumed the sky. I mean, it took, it, it, it took my breath away. You know, it's like you had to look more for a dark spot in the sky at night because there were so many stars out there. I mean, the stars consumed the sky and God made those and he called them by name. And what a gift that is. And so I'm going to read a portion of Anne's prayer for 2021. And I'm sure we can all identify with her as she prays. As I look ahead into 2021, I feel compelled to pray until God answers. Oh, God of ages past, you alone are our hope for years to come. We bow before you acknowledging your greatness and your glory. No one compares to you. No one is your equal. We look at your creation and marvel at the infinite power and wisdom that are yours. Nothing is beyond your reach. And so as we enter into the new year, help us to keep looking up to regain our focus on you. God of our fathers, Lord of the nations, you are the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. No one can understand your ways, but we turn to you now. Did we not establish our nation as one nation under God? Have we not pledged in God we trust? As we look ahead into the new year, we choose to place our trust in you. We trust you. We invite you to have your way in our lives, in our nation. As we look into 2021, we come face to face with a mess. What can be done to save us from ourselves? You are the answer. You are the solution. Yet instead of turning to you, we seem to be turning farther and farther away from you. But not now. Now we turn back, we turn around, we run to you, we cling to you, we plead with you. Turn to us, draw near to us. If you do not help us, we will be defenseless. If you do not protect us, we will be exposed to danger. If you do not deliver us from evil, we will be overcome by it. If you do not have plans to give us hope and a future, we will slide into the past tense as a nation, into oblivion. Father of all mercies, you have said that our land is a land that you, the Lord our God, care for, that your eyes are continually on it from the beginning of the year to its end. And as you look on our nation from this day forward, we ask for what we know we don't deserve. We ask for your blessing. Oh God, our Father, bless us. Give us ears to hear the good news of redemption for the past hope for the future, joy for the present, regardless of circumstances, love that is unconditional, boundless, and eternal, peace that passes all understanding, all found through faith in your Son, Jesus Christ. And now, God of grace, we ask you to send down the rain of your blessing and fullness. Protect us, defend us, comfort us, hear our prayer, forgive our sin, heal our land, for the glory of your great name, Jesus Amen. Did the image of Washington come up? I don't have eyes on my back of my neck, so yes. Okay, cool. Cool. Let's go, to, um, let's go to Philippians chapter 1. This letter is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. I am writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Christ Jesus, including the church leaders and deacons. May God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with, what? Joy, yeah. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard until now. Have you met any cranky Christians lately? Hmm? Hey, man, uh, uh, I remember um, Jim Cimbala pastoring Brooklyn Tabernacle in New York. Uh, In one of his books, he writes about, as a kid, there was a lady in his church that wore black every Sunday, you know, Uh, a black dress, and she was always frowning. And he thought, as a kid, you know, you think, where... I mean, why would I want to do what she's into, you know? I mean, why, what's going on in her life where every Sunday it's like doom and gloom and sadness and it's a terrible place to be alive. And and he basically said, man, that is not, that should not be our approach in the way we carry ourselves, right? So I'm I'm asking you, when's the last time you laughed and, and have you met any cranky Christians lately? Maybe you're one of them. You know, you're, you're tough to live with. You, uh, you make a living eating lemons. That's your part-time job. Um, anyway, the Apostle Paul had every excuse to be irritable. When you track his life, man, you would say, here's Paul. He's a very religious dude. Saul as a Saul. And, and he's, he's living on the high end of life. Uh, everything seems to be going his way, and then he puts his faith in Christ, and it's like all hell breaks loose around him. Really, it does. And and you would think Paul would be thinking, you know, maybe I should go back to being religious instead of being a follower of Christ. Being religious is so much easier. Can I tell you that's true? In a way. Religion is what so many people do. And when you make a commitment for Jesus Christ, you need backbone, honestly, because you're going against the culture. You're going against everything in the world today. And Paul experienced that pushback. It was going on back in his day, and it's going on even today, so we shouldn't be surprised, right? Nothing new. But when you look at Paul's life and you see the the pain, the suffering, you could say torture that he went through, it only steeled his core in his faith and trust in God and his love for Jesus Christ. It made him love Jesus more. It's crazy, you say. And so you look at Paul, who once persecuted Christians, now he, he's writing this letter to uh, in Philippi. He's kind of like a proud father um, writing to his beloved children. And what a letter it is. If joy has been vacuumed out of your life, Maybe it started last year, I don't know. But if it's been tough for you to experience joy in your life, I want to encourage you to read this letter that we're about to jump into. And it will only take you 17 minutes to read the letter. It's not a big time commitment. But when you follow Paul's example and his advice, uh, see what happens. Just see what happens in your life. And so number one in your notes, um, Joy remembers the good. Joy remembers the good. Paul um, is writing this from Rome in AD 61. And he says, this letter is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. I'm writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Christ Jesus, including the church leaders and deacons. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy, for you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard until now. So Philippians is not a book. It's a letter. It's a personal letter. It's real mail. Paul didn't have email. He didn't text it out. He, uh, he uh, wrote it on, on paper and, um, to a Grecian town in, in Philippi. Now we can take a quick look here on the map. And uh, let's go on a journey. Um, so, so this is Paul's second missionary journey: Jerusalem, Antioch. He's, he's zipping up here, and there's Philippi. Let's go to the next. Um, let's go to the next image. This is more modern day, Turkey. Uh, Turkey had been open to the gospel years ago, but I can tell you that Islam is is ruling and reigning in Turkey right now, and Christians are suffering big time in that country. And so, Greece. Uh, Thessalonica. We we were in that book of, uh, a couple months ago. Um, here's Philippi. Boom, right here. Um, Eight hundred miles from Philippi uh, to Rome, and um, so so there so there you have it. Um, aren't you glad we had this nifty gizmo? Saves time, doesn't it? So so Paul. Um, Established the first church on the European continent at the, at the uh, city of Philippi. Isn't it interesting? Yeah, and that's where it spread. Um, so 10 years later, Paul finds himself under house arrest in Rome. And um, house arrest, you know, in today's day, you put on electronic monitors on their wrist or their ankle and you send them out in in the public, but back then when Paul was living under house arrest, it means you were chained to a Roman soldier 24 hours a day. That meant you were being watched by a Praetorian guard. It was a group of elite Roman soldiers. Um, You would say the Green Beret, whatever. Whatever. They could receive visitors, even preach and teach while in prison. So John Bunyan, by the way, uh, who wrote Pilgrim's Progress, great book, was in prison for preaching the gospel in the 1600s in England. Uh, Just a footnote, 1600s in England, you get put in prison for preaching the Bible, gospel, friend. Why do you think the Puritans left England to come to America in the 1600s? That's why. That's why. Why? The Puritans came to America to escape persecution from England. So anyway, John is in prison because he's been preaching, kind of like what Paul's been doing. And there was a small window on the top of his cell, and it was up too high for him to to climb or reach. But he would stand towards the window and preach, and crowds would gather outside the prison cell And thousands put their faith in Jesus Christ because of his faithful preaching, even when he was in a prison cell. And Leonard, he was under threat, man, big time from the English authorities. And he was in prison for years, leaving his wife and children to fend for themselves. Why? Because he would not relent in his faith with Christ. And so when the Philippian church had heard about Paul's imprisonment in Rome, they sent Epaphroditus to Rome um, to visit and with some money, some money to encourage him. And so Epaphroditus, who was a a member of the Philippian church, um, giving Paul some financial help to make his confinement a little more comfortable, uh, he became sick and almost died in Rome. And once he recovered, uh, Paul wrote this letter for Epaphroditus to bring it back to the church at Philippi. That's how this all came about. And so it was a personal note. And um, when you when you look at this text, notice, joy remembers the good. Joy remembers the good. <laughs> it's a good reminder, I think, for us today. Because when you look at what went on in Paul's life in Philippi, uh, we could go to um, Philippians. Um, we need to go to the book of Acts chapter 16 because that's that's what uh, was going on. Um, let's go there. Acts 16. Are you there yet? I'm not. So Paul and Silas get thrown into prison. This is in Philippi. Why? Because they've been preaching. And, um, and so verse 22, a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas and the city officials order them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. And they were severely beaten and then they were thrown into a prison. So this is, not, this is not house arrest. You're thrown into a dungeon, man. You are down in the pit of Rome. You're down in the pit of Philippi. And the jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Making them very uncomfortable. At midnight, Paul and Silas... We're praying and feeling sorry for themselves. Where is God when we need him? No, that's not what it says. We're praying and singing hymns to God. You turn singing the highways. Boom, 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 boom. And the other prisoners were listening, and suddenly there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. And all the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. And the jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open, and he assumed the prisoner had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, Stop, don't kill yourself, we are all here. Man. So, what happens here, Paul, that's a memory. happened in Philippi and that wasn't the only bad thing that happened but look at look at when when you have joy in your heart joy remembers the good so he doesn't bring up all that hardship you know feeling sorry for himself he says when I think of you man I give thanks to my God isn't that great he doesn't say, don't you guys remember when Paul and Silas, when we were thrown into the dungeon, man, because we were there preaching the gospel? No, he doesn't bring that up at all. He just says, I, when I think of you, I don't think of the dungeon. I think of my joy with having a relationship with you, God's people. And when I pray, I make my request for you all with joy, with joy. And so there it is this morning. I just want to encourage all of us that um, uh, when life has a way of beating you up, if you want to maintain joy in your heart, remember the good. remember good on purpose okay don't you don't have to go south and and get out the violin and and replay all the bad stuff that happens to you. Listen. Every single one of us in this room has had bad stuff. People have offended you. People have treated you miserably. Um, You've been, you know, you didn't get the promotion you, you were promised. We can go on and on and on. Your neighbor didn't wave at you this morning on your way to church. Man, you ticked you off. What's Paul saying? Don't hang on to that bad stuff because it will turn you into a very critical, terrible, mean person. He's saying, remember the good. Remember the good. And that will help you get through life in balance. Psalm 27, 8, 28, 7. The Lord is my strength and my shield and I trust him with all my heart. It helps me. And my heart is filled with joy. I burst out in songs of thanksgiving. And so this morning, we have that opportunity to do that very thing. Lord, man, I trust you with all my heart. You know, Chad was talking about that earlier. He helps me. Thank you, Lord, for helping me because I'm trusting you. And because of that, my heart is filled with joy. So what happens when my heart's filled with joy? I burst out in songs of thanksgiving. You see the progress there? I burst out, you know? I'm not humming it. I'm bursting out in songs of thanksgiving. Pastor David Jeremiah tells the time when um, he had an uh, opportunity to speak at a prayer breakfast in Tuscaloosa. Say that 10 times in a hurry. Alabama. That's in Alabama. We'll just say Alabama. Anyway, when he arrived at the breakfast, someone came up to him and said, hey, there's a man wanting to see you. He's got a story to tell. His name was Red. And when David saw him, he said, man, it looked like Red had lived a pretty rough life. He just had that worn look on his face. And he told David, Red told him, I tried everything to find some kind of peace here. I couldn't find it. My life was spiraling downhill and just kept getting worse. One day I decided, that's it. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to take my life. I have driven to work so often that I recalled a curve in the road. I began to think that if I went straight, instead of bearing on that curve at 80 miles an hour, I would hit the tree and it would be over for me. So I decided that would be the best way to take my own life. I got into my car, turned on my radio, found my rock and roll station, and turned it up all the way so I would have as much noise in the car as possible. David said, you know, I'm I'm listening to Red talk, and I realized how intent Red was about killing himself and how he wanted some rock and roll music really to distract him from the process of taking his life. Well, for some reason, when Red turned up the radio and he's zipping down the road, he got so ticked off that he took his fist and he slammed it into the radio. And guess what happened? David Jeremiah radio program comes on. It changed the station automatically. And suddenly Red heard David's voice. And as he was talking about heaven and how to get there, And Red said, it made me stop for a minute. (laughs) I don't know what came over me, but I shut my car off and prayed to receive Christ as my Savior. And when I heard you were going to be here, I wanted to come and hug you and tell you, I'm going to heaven, and I'm really excited. (laughs) Joy, there is joy in going to heaven. And like Red, you too can be excited and full of joy about going to heaven. My brother and I were texting yesterday. And so he says, where are you going to go? I said, man, I'm not going anywhere, but I'm, heaven is my home, and that's where I'm going. Heaven is my home, and that's where I'm going. You can know that. It's not a maybe it's not a hope so cross my fingers no you can you can know for a fact for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever what believes in him puts their faith in him puts their trust in him puts all their weight on him they won't perish they won't be eternally separated from me but they will have eternal life they'll have a relationship with me throughout all of heaven and so maybe you're here this morning and you you're on the front end of our talk today you know you're going through addictions you're going through discouragement hopelessness depression you're like red man you pushed you you tried to find god in all these other places but came up empty jesus is here to say put your trust in me i died for you And you simply invite him in. Lord, I'm a sinner. You're my savior. You took my place. I'm inviting you to come into my life and forgive me of my sin. That great exchange. You take my sin and give me your righteousness. And when I allow you to come into my life, Lord, that relationship starts right now. My name is in the book of life. And so, Lord, I will live for you the rest of my life through the power of your Spirit. That's what Paul did. That's what Red did. I encourage you to do that. So, Father, we thank you this morning for the example that Paul gives us, even being in house arrest chained to a roman guard he's not depressed he's not discouraged he's not hopeless about the future man he's he's fired up because he has an opportunity to tell this roman guard about you that's what gets him excited that's where his joy comes from the joy of the lord is his strength and i pray today lord that you will put that great deposit the fruit of the spirit joy in your people where we've allowed the world to push it out, to snuff it out, Lord, we call on you this morning. Lord, we need you to walk freely freely through our lives. And for that person, those persons this morning that are putting their faith and trust in you for the first time, we say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for the good work that you're gonna do in them, Lord. It's a new day, it's a new beginning. are now citizens of heaven. Thank you, Lord, for that gift. In Jesus' name, amen.